Morning. Morning. I, I know we've sort of uh, changed things up at times, and we've not had the kids up here for children's sermons, so this morning I'm going to need the help of all the kids. Okay? So if I could have all the, the children um, sort of come right up here in front for me just for a second, that'd be awesome. So if could the kids come up here. The kids are moving forward. They're going to help me out with something. Right up here in the chairs and on the floor. There's not any room on the chairs. Just have a seat on the floor. You're not going to be sitting here long. Okay? You're going to help me pass something out. A lot of us uh, adults, we've got a long holiday weekend. You had Thanksgiving, Black Friday, football rivalry yesterday. Those are all holidays, right? It sort of seemed like it. A lot of food, a lot of holiday getting together. So we're going to do a little exercise this morning, okay? We're going to make the adults do toe touches, jumping jacks, burpees, yes. <laughs> no, we're not going to do any of that. But you're going to help me out. So boys and girls, this is what's going to happen. You're going to help pass some things out for me, okay? So here's the job. I need to make sure that every adult, now some adults you may want to pair up with somebody because you're that kind of person that says, I'm not going to do this. So you might want to pair up with somebody, okay? So if you're that kind of person, at least pair up with somebody, okay? Some of you are pretty competitive or you like to get engaged, so you're going to want your own piece of paper. You decide now whether you want your own paper or you're going to partner up with somebody. Kids, you make sure you grab a piece of paper too for yourself when you're all done. Or you can go back and get those dry erase boards with the crayons and you can do that, okay? Because you're going to help me out at the end of the sermon. We're all going to participate with something with this paper. So boys and girls, why don't you come up here and you're going to make sure that every adult, like I said, you just walk around. Yep, they're going to need a pen. You go around and just give them paper and pens. Make sure everybody's got some. I'm going to give you stacks of paper. All right, there you go. Take that stack of paper. Go Go hand out pens and papers to everybody. Make sure they all got it. And if you have anything left, you just bring it back up here. It's, don't be sort of like feeding of the 5,000. All that fish and bread that's left over, just bring it back up here. Awesome. You guys are doing great. Just take some paper. Now you got one pen, then go give it to one person. There you go. You can just go give people pieces of paper. And go give people pens. There you go. There you go. Awesome. You just go find somebody, give them some paper. Okay. I'm going to take this. Okay, then how about you hand out paper to people? See who needs a piece of paper. Awesome. Why don't you go see if anybody needs a pen? Go see if somebody needs a pen. Go see if somebody needs a piece of paper. That's great. Ah, uh, let's see. Somebody raise your hand if you need a piece of paper. Look at that. There's some hands up there. Find those hands that are up that need paper. You need paper? He needs paper right here. You know what? He needs a piece of paper right here. You can give him a piece of paper. There you go. And here, I'll take this. And you can take that. Okay. You all set? Y'all good? Okay. Thank you. After you're done handing out pieces of paper and pen, you can go and have a seat. Oh, we need some paper back there. Paper, right? Pens. Here we go. Hey, look at this. Right there. See, he's raising his hand. He needs a pen. Can you go give him one of those pens in your hands? Awesome. For the kids, you can do um, one of those dry erase boards and crayons or something else if you want, if you don't want to use paper and pen. Back row, where do they need a pen or paper? They need paper? Right here, some paper. Oh, she's on it. Excellent. Wow, everybody good? You got a piece of paper, pencil, something to write with? Kids, you did an awesome job. Thank you so much. So I'll take the leftovers. Then you can go find your parents and have a seat with them. And if you need a dry erase board, you can stick them right in there, please. Thank you. 
you need a dry erase board or you want a piece of paper and pen, you may grab one yourself. You can have one for you if you want. And then you can have a seat with your parents. Yeah, they're going to grab those. They're doing a great job. Okay, you're, not, you're going to need this paper and pencil for later in the sermon. Right now, if you just want to doodle, I understand. Or take notes, which is even better. That's always good. Thanks, boys and girls. Awesome job. While they're having a seat and they're still getting organized, I want to say this to the church family after last Sunday's uh, family little thank you uh, sermon. Uh, I again want to thank you as a church family for your giving uh, and the church offering. I want to thank you for your serving in this church and how you participate. Uh, thank you for being an awesome church family. If there's a prayer request that come your way again, please uh, let us know so we can pass those on to Rhonda and she faithfully gets those out there. Continue to pray for Dave Armstrong uh, as he's in the hospital, back in the hospital. He went back in late, I was going to say yesterday, but it had been early yesterday morning, late Friday night, something like that. Jill is 1.30, I'm in Troy and Linda were out there. Yeah, so they're back at UTMC and he had another surgery to sort of get things figured out with the gallbladder and liver and put a stent in there and get an infection that's in there right now, get it out. So. Uh, this, the surgery was good, so just pray for healing again for them. Okay? Um, as other prayer requests come in, continue, please, to pass those on so we can be praying and visit and make sure we've got the church family looking out for each other. Okay? All right. Uh, this, this Sunday, I was sort of thinking about some of the greatest commands ever given. And I look back and think, uh, as, a, as a child, we are taught how through suggestion or command, usually command. We could have things suggested to us when we're children, but that usually doesn't hold strong. We can maybe hear our parents say, I think it's a really good idea if you did this, but most parents know it's like this. You will do this. This is the way it's going to be. You give a command as a parent. Children are taught that. Probably the most things we've learned probably came in kindergarten, right? I saw, you've seen that list before, everything I needed to know in life I learned in kindergarten. You remember some of those? Let me refresh your memory in case you forgot. First one is this, share everything. It's a good lesson to learn, right? How about this, play fair. Don't hit people. Yeah. Clean up your mess. That one, uh, as we hopefully learned in kindergarten, but a lot of us have a, still have a struggle with that one as we've gotten on in life, right? How about say you're sorry when you hurt somebody? Okay. I don't know how this got on the list, but flush was on the list. Okay. Uh, when you go out into the world, watch out for traffic, hold hands, stick together. Those are good rules for kindergartners, right? Lessons that we can still all apply today, and there's, there's many more. But I thought about this. Those are commands that we're taught when we're little kids. But then we look into the Bible and say, well, what does the Bible have to say? What commands do we find in the Bible as we grow up? Because we want to grow up spiritually too. So if I asked you right now, what do you think would be some of the greatest commands ever given in the Bible? Probably the first thing that comes to your mind would be the Ten Commandments, right? Well, those would be top of the list. Ten Commandments because they have the word commands written right into the title, right? How about this one? Be strong and courageous. You heard those commands before? Especially all throughout the Old Testament. Fear not. That's a command. 
And we were told that over 365, 66 times in the Bible it says that, one for every day of the year. How about this? This is one of my favorites when Jesus said, get up, walk, take your mat. The man that was paralyzed and couldn't walk, that was a command. Get up, walk, and take your mat. I love that command. When Jesus was asked the two greatest commands, what was his answer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commands that Jesus said. Here's a command I bet you didn't know was in the Bible. You, you probably knew it was there. You just didn't realize it was a command. Be thankful. Translation, give thanks. That's a command. We are commanded to give thanks. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. More than 100 times in the Bible, we find that we are commanded to be thankful. Now, this is not scripture I gave Dan. I'm going to throw this one out here this morning. But Psalm 100, verse 4. Now, listen to this verse very carefully. 100, verse 4. You've heard this verse before. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. I'm sorry. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Let me hear you say, give thanks. That was a command. Look at the person next to you and say, that was a command. Tell them. Oh yeah, that was a command. If you were to look up the Hebrew and, and understand the phrase, how this is all put together, the word give thanks has the same meaning as to pick up and toss, to throw, to cast. So thinking futuristic here, when the snow falls, and the kids, maybe some of the adults and dads start, maybe moms, grab those snow and start patting it together to make a snowball, and they get ready to throw that snowball at somebody, they are casting, they are throwing, the same root words used in Hebrew here for give thanks. See, when I give thanks, I'm commanded to take what I'm thankful for and toss that towards God. God, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you to the church for what you do. When I say thanks, I'm aiming at somebody with my words and I'm tossing it their direction. Hoping and praying that I'm going to hit them with the truth of my appreciation. So when you look at those words and think, wow, give thanks. I'm tossing something. Somebody. It's not this frivolent sort of like, oh, well, thank you, everybody. I want to just thank you. I hope it lands on somebody. No. When we give thanks, it's a command to look at somebody eye to eye, write it down, particularly right there. Here you go. I want to specifically say thank you to so-and-so. I'm aiming at them right now, and I'm saying thank you. And so as we enter God's gates and his courts, we go to God in prayer, we praise him. Guess what? We are aiming at God, saying, God, thank you for what you've done. That's a command. So let me ask you this. How does this command rank with all of God's other commands? Be strong and courageous. Fear not. Don't murder. Don't lie. You know, all those commands that are out there. How does this one rank with those? Have you ever thought about it before? We sort of put it off to the side, maybe. Well, I'm not supposed to do all those other things. Those are commanded. We're also commanded to give thanks. We, uh, we now have the opportunity one day, one day set aside to fulfill that command. Isn't that great? that the presidents of the United States said, you know what, we need to set one day aside where we can give thanks. So back in the day, 1789, President George Washington said this, 
I'm going to declare that on Thursday, November 26, 1789, there will be a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. So he declared it, that this nation will have a day set aside to give thanksgiving and to pray. So it was set aside, but it was state to state. And then in the 1800s, 1863, during the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln said, you know what, I'm going to make it a national holiday now. So as a nation, forget the individual states, as a nation, we will come together one day out of the year and give thanks. We're going to fulfill God's commands. Isn't that incredible that our nation, maybe knowingly or unknowingly, has said this? We're going to take one day out of the year where we specifically say, let's obey God's commands. We are to give thanks to our almighty creator. When those words were penned a couple hundred years ago, it was to honor God, to give him thanks. And in doing that, we were fulfilling biblical command. So I love it when a nation who may know God or not know God comes together on one day and says, let's give thanks. And maybe that's why it should bother you a little bit that on Thanksgiving people aren't thankful because they're being unbiblical. Let me ask you this. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Did you all have a good Thanksgiving? Set aside some time. Um, it's sort of fun to look through maybe Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, whatever social media is out there, and just sort of spot pictures and posts and people spending time with family and decorations going up and sitting around the table enjoying family time. And you had those moments to give God thanks. So I'm, I'm glad that I think the majority of you in here had a good Thanksgiving. And if you did not have a good Thanksgiving, I'm sorry. Uh, it's not too late today to fulfill God's command and giving thanks and setting some time aside again to say, you know what, we're going to be thankful. Um, because there are distractors and thieves that threaten to steal away our joy and our attitude of gratitude. Um, some people call it maybe like a poison of ingratitude. It seems harmless, but a little few drops of ingratitude sort of come into our lives and sort of seep into our lives and take root. All of a sudden, that little bit of ingratitude like poison starts to kill us and we are no longer thankful. Uh, we look at others. Maybe we look at people's houses, their vehicles. Maybe we look at what other people are wearing, their clothes, and perhaps even their smile or their shape. And we look at them and we say, oh, if only I was like that, or if only I had that. Uh, and that choice of comparison, and again, that's not for all of us, but for some of us, we struggle with comparison. We look at other people and we see something, we think, oh, if only I had that. And I heard it described as living in the land of Ur. So let's just sort of picture this. You get in your vehicle today and you choose to comp start comparing yourself to other people. Problem is, when you start comparing yourself to other people in your vehicle, you're now driving into the neighborhood of Ur. Ur, what do you mean? Well, here's the deal. He is a richer than me. She is uh, better than me. He is stronger than me. They are happier than me. Man, they dress sharper than me. They are much slimmer than me. You hear the er and at the end of all those words? That's the land of er. When we compare ourselves to somebody else, somebody's always better than I am when we start comparing. 
And that's not a good thing because when I'm driving through the neighborhood of Ur, it leads me to the house of ingratitude. And then I go walking on that door and open up and I head into that house of ingratitude. I become a sort of a prisoner of my own self, my own choices, because I've chosen to compare myself to all these other people in that neighborhood of Ur. So I sit inside my house unhappy, no peace, because everyone outside my house is better off than me. How did we end up there? Look at with me. Uh, we're going to look up two scriptures, Deuteronomy and Psalm. I think they're both on the same track here. Let's look at Psalm 73 first. We're going to look at the bottom one first, Psalm 73. So if you open up your Bibles, sort of halfway through the Bible, you're in the Old Testament, Psalm 73. In Psalm 73, starting in verse 2, But as for me, I came so close to the edge of the cliff, my feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such a painless life and their bodies so healthy and strong and they aren't troubled like other people or plagued with problems like everybody else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace. Their clothing is woven in cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. <laughs> I like how the psalmist wrote that. So they're looking there saying, look at them, look at them. They are so much better off than I am. They have so much more than I do, and they seem happier than I am. And here's that land of Ur, that comparison, right? Turn to the book of Deuteronomy with me. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Old Testament, chapter 8. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 11, and this was a call to remember and obey God's commands. I love it. God said, hey, we, you remember what I've done for you? Obey these commands, obey these commands. But if you look at verse 11, we see this. But, this, but that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty... You do not forget that the Lord your God and disobey his commands and regulations and laws. See, for when you have become full and prosperous, you've built fine homes to live in. And when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, that's the time to be careful. Do not become proud at that time. I forget that the Lord your God, who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt, do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with poisonous snakes and scorpions where it's so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. And it goes on and on to say, remember God? Remember what he did for you? Don't be so happy with everything that you've got and you're prosperous and your great moments that you forget where that came from. Look at verse 19. But I assure you of this, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you'll certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path, and you will also be destroyed or not, for not obeying the Lord your God. Maybe for not obeying the Lord your God? Yeah. Because if we go back to the very first verse of Deuteronomy 8, he said this, be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you'll live and multiply and occupy the land given to you. And then in verse 2, it starts off with, remember how. See, when we have this ingratitude, that little attitude of ingratitude, it's because maybe we become so happy with everything we got, we forgot to thank God for it. Maybe because we compare ourselves to other people and what they have and what we don't, and we have that little ingratitude, and that sneaks in. 
I was reading an email, and I sent this to everybody this week. The story about a man who had come home from fighting overseas. He's left paralyzed in a wheelchair. I don't know how many of you read that story. Some of you maybe didn't read it, so I'm going to read it for you. But this, um, this man who was left paralyzed wrote a letter to his son, yet to be born. And um, he wanted to make sure his son understood everything about his mom. So he said this, Dear son, your mother is very special. Few men know what it's like to receive appreciation for taking their wives out to dinner when it entails what it does for us. It means she has to dress me, shave me, brush my teeth, comb my hair, wheel me out of the house and down the steps, open the garage, put me in the car, go around the other side of the car, start it up, back it out, get out of the car, close the garage, get back in the car and drive us to the restaurant. Then it starts all over again. She gets out of the car, unfolds the wheelchair, opens the door, spins me around, stands me up, seats me in the wheelchair, pushes the pedals out, closes the door, locks the car, wheels me into the restaurant, then takes the pedals off the wheelchair so I won't be uncomfortable. We sit down to have dinner. She feeds me through the entire meal. When it's over, she pays the bill, pushes the wheelchair out to the car again, and reverses the same routine. When it's all over, she says with a true warmth, Honey, thank you for taking me out to dinner. I never quite know what to say after that. Love, Dad. And I read that email of the man in the wheelchair. It brought me to a moment of gratitude that I don't have to do that for my loved ones. Some of you have had to take care of aging parents or different family members where you've gone through that, and it's like, Wow, I'm very thankful for the health that I have or for what I have been given to me. When I compare myself to someone who seems to be less fortunate, I realize I truly am blessed. I think you are all blessed too. Amen? Let's go to the New Testament, the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament. Luke chapter 17. A familiar story we've talked about before. We're going to come back to it again just briefly. You probably don't even need to start reading. You probably already guessed what story it is. Starting in verse 11. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus is with his disciples. And they're continuing on towards Jerusalem. And on the way to Jerusalem, they reach the border between the Galilee and Samaria. And again, remember, the Jews and Samaritans hated each other. There was no love there. And here comes Jesus and his disciples near the border. And they enter a village there, and there's ten lepers, and they were supposed to be Samaritans. Okay? So first of all, they have leprosy, believed to be contagious. Keep your distance. They're Samaritans. Definitely keep your distance. Let's not talk to them. Let's not bother with them. But they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Look at verse 14. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And they went and their leprosy disappeared as they walked away. One of them, when he saw what he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God, I'm healed. He fell face down on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he'd done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Does this, only this foreigner return to give glory to God? And Jesus said to this man, Stand up 
and go. Your faith has made you well. You know, I read this, and I think about this. They left in obedience before the healing ever took place. They all had leprosy. Jesus said, go, show yourself to the priest. As they started to walk away, they were healed. The healing process took place as they walked in faith, heading off. There was a trust in God to act before there was ever evidence. And it made me think about my life. Have I always trusted God even though there's no evidence? When he told me to do something, he commanded, hey, I want you to go do this before there's evidence. Have I gone and done that? For instance, give thanks. Well, what should I be thankful for? Just, I'm sure you can find something. How about you go be obedient and give thanks before you see the evidence? They started to walk. They trusted Jesus before they saw the evidence. And the amazing thing was this, too, a reminder of the story, is that God's grace is for everyone. So no matter what age you are, no matter where you grew up, what background you have, what you did last night, what you did two years ago, something that you've harbored guilt-wise in your heart, or whether you've had the cleanest of lives, God's grace is for everyone. Samaritan leper, healed Jew, whoever. His gratitude brought him back to Jesus for this one man. And I look at this gratitude. When you read this, look at verse 19. Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Again, studying that phrase, understanding, here's a man who has showed faith, and he came back and he showed gratitude. And Jesus said, your faith, your action of gratitude as well, has made you well. When I looked that up, it meant to be kept safe from danger, to rescue from destruction. Jesus says, your act of faith, trusting me, and showing that gratitude, do you have to understand what you just did? It's made you well. It has rescued you. It has saved you. It wasn't just a physical healing that took place. It was a spiritual healing that took place within this man as well. He was healed, he was restored, but he was rescued from judgment. His gratitude brought him back to Jesus. And when your gratitude brings you back to Jesus, healing takes place. A lot of times, our ingratitude keeps us from Jesus. But our gratitude should bring us back to him so that healing can take place, not just physically, but spiritually as well. So how do we learn to have gratitude and not drift to that place of ingratitude and land up in that neighborhood of err? How do we do that? Let's look for a couple more scriptures. Psalm 77, 11. So let's turn back to Psalm. There's two scriptures in there. Psalm 77. Psalm 77, verse 11. I'm going to read a few more than just that one verse. But in Psalm 77, 11, it says this, I recall all that you've done, Lord. I remember, let me hear you say remember. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They're constantly in my thoughts. I can't stop thinking about them. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You're the God of miracles and wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. You redeemed your people by your strength. The descendants of Jacob and of Joseph by your might. As you would continue to read, you see what he's referring to, but let's back it up. What word did I ask you to repeat? What was that word again? 
Remember. Let's try it again. One, two, three. Remember. See, sometimes we forget how awesome God is and what he's done for us. How do we have an attitude of gratitude? How do we get rid of that ingratitude? We've talked about this before. We've got to remember what God's done for this. As those lepers walked away and they saw the healing on them, they should have said, well, who just did this? They, they had already forgotten who healed them. Oh, wait, who just told us? Jesus. Let's go back. Remember, he's the one that told us. But when we forget or we ignore, that puts us in a bad place. We need to remember. Look at Psalm 111. Fast forward. 30 plus chapters. Psalm 111. Starting in verse 1. Let's back up. Praise the Lord. I'll thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. Guess what? We're all together right here. Godly people meeting together, right? So we get to praise the Lord. I praise the Lord. I thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. Who can forget the wonders he performs? How gracious and merciful is our Lord. Who could forget that? Don't you remember all that God's done for you? Remember. Because here's what happens. When you don't remember, things go bad, right? That ingratitude. If you were to go back to Numbers chapter uh, 21, and you can look at it another time. I don't know, did, we, did I give you that scripture, Numbers 21? Back in, uh, with the children of Israel, matter of fact, we've got time, let's go there. God's Word's always good to look at. Uh, Numbers 21, let me read this to you. Numbers chapter 21, starting in verse 4, the people of Israel had set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea. They're going to go around the land of Edom, but the people grew impatient along the way. Let me hear you say impatient. Mm, impatient, there's a gratitude killer. People grew impatient along the way. They began to murmur, complain against God and Moses. Why did you bring us out to Egypt? They had to, they had to have an accent like that, right? I have no idea how they said it back then, but it's probably a little knees leaning. Why did you do this? Where's this? Where's our water? I hate wearing these sandals. He's got a better robe than me. I think Moses has got a pool in his tub. Anyway, okay. Um, so why did you bring us out of Egypt here to die in Israel? They complained. There's nothing to eat here or to drink. We have nothing but stinking manna, right? And they, they had to eat that wretched manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among them, and many of them were bitten and died. The Lord came to Moses, and he cried out, We've sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to the top of a pole. Those who were bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze, attached it to the top of a pole, and whenever those who were bitten looked at the bronze snake, they recovered. These people's complaining and murmuring led to the point where God said, I've had enough. Let's you all get bit by snakes. So these snakes come into the camp and start biting people. Then now they're really complaining. Now we're getting bit by snakes. It's our, you know, they realize, guess what? It's our fault. We were complaining to God. No gratitude shown here. God says, you sure you want to show me no gratitude? So they prayed. 
God said, Moses, I want you to make a bronze snake. Put it on a pole, lift it up so they can look at it. And when they look at it, they'll be healed. You know, the amazing thing is, we hear about this again later in the New Testament. And we hear about it right before a very famous verse. And Jesus was speaking. He said, For only I, the Son of Man, have come to earth and will return again. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole, the cross, so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. Then you all know the next verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Wait, John 3, 16? Remember that verse? John 3, 14 and 15, Jesus talks about the snakes and the pole. And he says, that happened in the Old Testament. So these people would understand there's only one way to be saved. And I'm here to fulfill that now in the New Testament on the cross. See, in those moments of ingratitude, we need to lift our eyes back up and remember who saved us, who rescued us. And when we lift our eyes back up and say, I remember now, you saved me, you rescued me. Our hearts should change from an ingratitude to that of gratitude and thankfulness for all that we've been given. And then we need to follow that next command, give thanks. Pick it up, roll it together. Who do you need to say thank you to? Find them and throw it, okay? So you're thinking, really, I can do that this year? So we leave church, if there was no outside, we'd have a big snowball fight, why not? Okay, probably shouldn't, okay? But you know what I'm saying? That thankfulness should be like that of a kid. How many kid, children, let me ask you, boys and girls, if you had a chance to go outside right now and have a snowball fight, how many of you kids would do that? Raise your hand. Look at that. See, they would get into it right away. We have the opportunity as adults, as children, as, to take God's command, give thanks, to toss thanks God's way and each other's way, to fulfill command. That's a good thing. Matter of fact, we're going to take the next five minutes and we're just going to fulfill that exercise. We come here to worship God. We also come here to be obedient to God. So you got your piece of paper and your pencil, right? Your pen? Now, again, you can work individually. You can work with another person. I'm okay with either one. Okay. Here's what you're going to do. First of all, I want you to think about somebody you're going to tell thank, thank you to. Okay? Now, besides God, we all much to give God thanks, but I want you to think of somebody you really need to say, you know, I need to thank them. They did something for me this last week, or maybe something happened today or yesterday or a year ago. It's like, I never thanked them. Right now, I want you to think about who you need to tell somebody thank you to and what is it for. Be specific. Snowball, okay? Next thing we're going to do is something that uh, Max Lucado did in his prayer book, and that's the ABCs of Thanksgiving. Here we go. We're going to take time. I'm not going to tell you. You need to go home and do this. We're going to do this right now, okay? So write the letter A. What begins with the letter A that you can tell God you're thankful for? You might need some help, okay? And be real about it, okay? For me, I put down apples. I love it because fresh apples... During, remind me of the fall season. I love the fall season. Fresh apples, cut, sliced open, baked in pie. I love apples. I'm very thankful for that. I'll, letter B, write down a letter B. I'm thankful for belts. Not that I got one when I was a kid, okay? And I mean that by punishment, okay? But I hate it when kids have their pants sagging down. I'm so thankful for belts. Tie those up there, does that, okay? I am thankful for belts. It seems so simple, but I am. Letter C, write that down. Now, do you guys really even have to ask what I'm going to be thankful for that begins the letter C? Not a, who said cat? 
That'd be under the letter D. No. Uh, C, coffee. Coffee. I'm very thankful for coffee. I love coffee. Letter D, write that down. This is an exercise of thanksgiving. It's time to give thanks to God for the many things. Letter D, I wrote down dining room table. See, it's around the dining room table where you eat as a family, where you play games, where conversation takes place, where you sit with somebody you haven't sat with in a while. That's what I wrote. Again, I'm giving you my answers. You need to be writing down your own answers in case, I'm sorry, you're like, I hate coffee, but I'll write it down. I like cats. Well, then put cats. I don't know why, but go ahead. Write down your own letters, your own things. E. You know what I'm thankful for? It begins letter E. Enthusiasm. I love seeing people fired up about certain things. I mean, whatever it may be, it seems crazy, um, but we need enthusiasm, so I'm thankful when I see people that are enthusiastic when I am not. Because there's moments I'm not enthusiastic, but I see somebody is, and it's like, good for them. The letter F, what are you thankful for? That begins the letter F. Here's what I put down. My answer was freedom from sin, freedom from slavery, freedom. Now, some of the boys and girls, I'm going to pause for a second. Letters A through F. Any of the children in here want to tell me one of their answers they wrote down? I'm just sort of curious. Anybody want to tell me what you write down? Which letter? For C, you put what? Coats? Very good. Anybody else? Ben, I, I, you're, I'm sorry, Ben behind you, Ben. You're pointing at your dad. Yeah, I said kids. Family. Nice. Very good. How about one more? Any other children wrote down any letters A through F they want to share? In the back there? Clay? Then we'll come back up to Trevor. Carter and Colin, your brothers? Really? Okay. I remember that. Okay. What'd you get? E, eating. So I should be thankful for that, right? Good. Okay, I'll, it's for some of you to raise your hand, I'll come back to you. Let's go with the letter G. Letter G. Write down. What do you think for the letter G? I put down games. Whether it's Uno or basketball or ping pong. Well, not ping pong. Because my oldest son has learned how to spin the ball. And when I played ping pong with him, I found out this weekend that um, I get angry. So games are fun. Be thankful for games. H. The letter H. Put on heaven. Incredible eternity in heaven. See people we miss to be in the presence of God. How about the letter I? What are you thankful for that begins with the letter I? Now you're going to think this is crazy, but I put on interruptions. And when I saw this, what Max had put down, he had interruptions. I said, why would you write down interruptions you're thankful for? Then I remember when I first had my office at home and the children were really little, it seemed like I was always being interrupted. And that bothered me. Until I found out that I was reminded that children are not interruptions, but a reminder of God's grace that they've been given as a gift to you and to be thankful for my children. And so it's okay. It's no longer an interruption. It's just a reminder that I'm blessed. After all, didn't, children, didn't Jesus say, let the children come to me? They weren't an interruption to him. The letter J. Letter J. And again, I go back to, and I've shared this story before, some of you never heard it, but I coaching a baseball team, 12U team, 
and I had computer keys. We'd taken the keyboard, broke it apart, all these little keys in a bag. And I told the baseball players, pull out two letters, any two letters, and tell me what you're thankful for. Baseball season, it was the week before Easter. Easter, and this young man pulled out two letters, J and C. This is, oh, this is a setup, right? J, C, Easter. Now, I'm not going to put anybody in spot, but I, I think you would come up with the answer, Jesus Christ, right? Right away, the kid, the guy's like, oh, I've got it, I've got it. It's like, what do you got? Tell me, he goes, gym class. <laughs> It'd been awesome if you had the letters G and C, not J and C. Oh, okay, anyway. For J, I put Jesus Christ, and you're thinking, why did you put on Jenny? That's a given, I love her. Okay, I'm thankful for her, okay? Sorry, Jesus first. He gives us the example how to live, how to love, right? Letter K, what did you put on for letter K? I put on knives, okay? Not like dangerous knives, but I think to cut all my goodies, you know, my apples that I like, cardboard boxes that arrive and I can't get them open, so I use my key, key doesn't work, pull a knife. So simple, right? Tyson Ashman said, oh, yeah, nice. Oh, nice, okay. L, what you put on for L? I put love in action. I love seeing people love each other in action. It's inspiring. Do I have a child, any, any of the kids now want to give me something they're thankful for they've written down? I saw a hand over here earlier. Any of the kids want to tell, share anything they've written down? Right there in the back, what'd you write down? Coming to church, awesome. That's a double C. You get double credit. Nice. What'd you put down? Mom? Oh, awesome. Wait, wait, we're not even to M yet. I put down miracles. Mom is a great answer. That's a great answer. Go ahead and write down M. Write down your, what you think with M. And I put down nature. For the letter N, I put down nature. Mountains, the ocean, lakes, forests. God's creation is just incredible. I look at nature and just praise God. Praise God. Oh, the letter O, what did you put down? Put down. What are you thankful for that begins the letter O? I'll help you out. I love omelets. I love omelets. Okay. What'd you put? Others. Excellent. This is where I told you, kids, you're going to help me out at church today. Okay. The letter P. The letter P. What are you thankful for that begins the letter P? I put on parents. We got back. Popcorn? Yeah. Just you can see her face right now. It's priceless. She's like, popcorn. Yes. Pick. Pickles. Okay, I almost got excited for you. It's like, I don't like pickles. But you and Clay, you guys hook up, open a jar, break them open, enjoy them. Okay? You love pickles, huh? You got a big smile. About as big a smile as the popcorn back there. Awesome. The letter Q, you're all going to really struggle with this one, aren't you? Q, Q. I thought Q-tips. I mean, you're like, really Q-tips? Yeah. Seriously, two cotton balls on a little stick to get things? I mean, who came up with that? That was awesome. Q-tips, I'm very thankful for them. The letter R, I came up with running water. All you need is a trip to the Dominican Republic to walk away and say, I'm very thankful for running water, for bathrooms, for fresh water. Or to go up to a sink, a faucet, and turn it on, um, take a shower, running water. Letter S, I put on Savior. 
Savior who came to save me from my sins to rescue me. The letter T, I put down treadmill. I don't like to run outside in the cold, so it's my last resort on the inside, so I am thankful for that. Again, do I have any children that want to share anything up to this point in time that they're thankful for? Sugar. How many parents are thankful for sugar that their kids have, right? Okay. Yeah. Jude. What's that? The internet. Oh, great. What's that? Feet. Very good. Sports. Superman. Nice. A lot of good answers here. Letter U. Letter U. I wrote down uncles. Uh, the only reason I wrote that is that they just remind me that family matters. And some of my uncles have some really good stories. And when they share those stories, you can't help but sit there and think, really? Tell me something else about my dad I didn't know, or my mom I didn't know. W, I put wind chimes. Uh, I love listening to wind chimes, music in the air, when the wind blows. Sort of odd, I know. And I skipped a letter, didn't I? V, victory. I love seeing teams celebrate. I love seeing people celebrate when something awesome happens. There's a victory there. Uh, I love it when people are victorious, not just in the area of athletics, but in life, when they're victorious. They see incredible things happen. For X, I put X-rays, not because I couldn't think of too many things that begin with the letter X, but really they define the seriousness of an injury. We've had enough of them in our house. So when we go to get an X-ray and it's negative, there's much rejoicing and gratitude shown in our house. Why I put yellow dandelions? Because it reminds me that the warm weather is on the way. Some people look at them as weeds, I know. Last letter was Z. And your kids are going to like this one, I think, I maybe. That zebra from Madagascar is hilarious. So, sometimes the humor there, that zebra, yeah, I went with that for the letter Z. Here's, here's what we wanted to accomplish this morning. You know, and I, I sit there and think, God said, give thanks. It's a command. Give thanks. It's a command. How many times do we come into church and we, we praise God, we worship Him, and we say, hey, now go be the church, go do it. No, I want you to take a moment and come up with 26 different things that you could be thankful for this morning and just sit there and say, wow, yeah, I'm thankful for that. You have 26 reasons to walk out of here now, plus so many more, to give God thanks, to be obedient to His command. Now, remember that person I said that you need to do follow-up and say thank you to? That's on your list. It needs to be done. Here's the last one. I'm going to challenge you to memorize 1 Thessalonians. Got that scripture, Dan? 5, 16 to 18. I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to look that scripture up. Find it in your Bible. It's, it's tucked away in the New Testament, okay? And when you find 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, put it on the five, 3 by 5 card, put it somewhere, go over it and over it again, and try to memorize it. Okay. I'm going to ask uh, Modens if you'd come on up here and stand with me. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18 says this, Always be joyful, keep on praying, no matter what happens, always be thankful for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. This is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. For those of us who belong to Christ, we are to be thankful. We are to show thanks, to give thanks. So this 
Thanksgiving as we wrap it up and move into the Christmas season. We're thankful that we can go right from a holiday to stop and give thanks. But now as we move forward into Christmas, prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ, which was what Advent is all about. Jim and Karen Monin are going to read about the Advent and read the scripture reading for Advent. Sort of prepare us for that Thanksgiving slash move into Christmas season. For us to sit back and say, you know, we have so much to be thankful for. So we're going to have you go ahead and read our Advent this morning. Isaiah 52, the word of God says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims grace and peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voices they shall sing together. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Advent is an old English word derived from the Latin word to come. Advent season then is a span of time where we anticipate the coming of Christ in the flesh. All of the Old Testament is a season of waiting with hopeful expectations that God would do as he said and provide a savior for all mankind. We read in the book of Isaiah that we will see the salvation of our God. Yet this is something Isaiah himself did not see. He was a prophet speaking the heart of God that though we were people living in darkness, we still had hope, something we could quite yet see in a wonderful counselor. This Advent season, we will take time each Sunday to reflect on what it must have been like to wait in darkness, holding on to the hope of a savior. We also will rejoice together as we look backwards some 2,000 years, knowing that Jesus came into the world as the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy and also to be the embodiment of God's promise. Today, we light this first candle on the first Sunday of Advent to remember and celebrate that we have a God who gives hope to us all.